What if your weirdness is actually the gateway to your liberation, satisfaction, fulfillment, and contribution here on Earth? That's the argument that our guest this episode, C.J. Cassiata, makes in his latest book, Get Weird. Hey, this is Ashton Gustafson, and welcome to Good, True, and Beautiful. But before we get started, a message from this episode's featured nonprofit. Hey guys, I'm Scott Harrison, the founder and CEO of Charity Water. Uh, We are on a mission to bring clean and safe drinking water to every single person on the planet. Uh, We're a little bit different in that we use 100% of all public donations uh, to directly fund water projects that we then prove using photos and GPS and satellite images so people know where the money is going. We just have a deep belief in the power of radical transparency uh, and and building a community. And, And we've now been joined by over a million people around the world that have said, you're not on our watch, not on our watch, are people drinking dirty water, especially if we know how to help them. So the best way to, to learn more about Charity Water, uh, you can just visit charitywater.org spring. We have an amazing monthly community of givers who are showing up. Uh, some giving as little as $10 a month, some giving $30 a month, some giving $100 a month. And there's an amazing video there too, which, which just tells the story um, that you could just help us by sharing with your friends. Um, we would love to invite you to be a part of solving the water crisis, of, of ushering in a day where every single person alive has access to clean and safe drinking water, their most basic need. And we invite you to join Charity Water in that. Hey friends, Ashton here, and welcome back to another episode of Good, True, and Beautiful. Thank you for joining us. Hope you are doing well. Today we have a new friend joining us. His name is CJ Cassiata. I believe I've pronounced that right. And uh, he's got a new book out called Get Weird, Discover the Surprising Secret to Making a Difference. Now, if you're going to get book promos uh, from the names of like Seth Godin, Richard Rohr, Shauna Nequist, John Acuff, uh, you belong at the Good, True, and Beautiful table. Um, And let me tell you, that's exactly what this book is. Uh, It awakens all of us um, to that divine spark that we all carry, and uh, I think it's a permission slip, a reminder, uh, and a beautiful uh, reflection that he's given us all. So with that being said, CJ is joining us. CJ, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. And that, that's probably one of the best pitches for my, my book that I've ever heard. I, I love permission slip and <laughs> divine spark. I think you should just write my, my next, uh, if I get, you know, get a chance to write another book, just write the back, uh, let's go the back cover copy for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd be, yeah, we can, we'd be glad to do that. Um, awesome. so those are some of our dear friends. Um, we haven't had Godin on, but um, Godin's been a beacon for all of us, for so many of us. Oh yeah, uh, Father. Yeah, a little bit. I'm not sure if he's actually human or not. He might be sort of either part alien, part yeah. celestial being who just kind of hovers over yeah. culture and comes down and every once in a while and writes something that yes. kind of just goes. Yes. Oh yeah, uh, we we needed to know that. Absolutely, absolutely, Father he's Richard. A modern Ro- mystic. He is. He <laughs> is a modern mystic. Uh, and Father Richard Rohr and both of the Nequists we've had on. So. Um, dude, I, uh, love the book. Before we get to that though, um, kind of want to set the stage here. Uh, when you introduce yourself and your work in the world, where do you begin? Gosh, um, I'm still trying to figure that out. Honestly, there's some, (laughs) I don't know where to begin. I usually tell people I'm a, a, you know, a, a writer, um, a communicator. I help 
companies and we're, now we're, we're starting to do stuff where we're actually helping kids uh, figure out how to communicate who they really are um, at their very essence, uh, what their identity is and how to, um, how to really do brave things out of that identity. And so I, I feel like if there's one word that kind of won't shit, you know, won't, won't let its grip um, from me. It's, it's that word identity. I think I'm in the mm -hmm. business of, of identity of, of, of figuring out uh, who I am and helping others figure out who they are. And um, I think I'll be doing that in some form or fashion till the day I die though. I, I you know, depending on the day or the month or the season, it always looks a little bit different as to how, how that plays out. Hmm. You know, I think um, people that kind of have that story or that are doing work like yourself, there's always a backstory to kind of your own self-discovery, uh, yeah. your own excavating of your essence, if you will. Um, yeah. What, uh, I mean, I, that, I, this is probably a whole nother call, but tell me a little bit about um, your path and discovering how uh, your unique giftings um, could be uh, a contribution to the world. Uh, and that thing, you know, I always say it's this two-in-one gift. It's the thing that gets you out of bed, and it's the gift uh, that the world gets to receive through you. Um, tell me a little bit about your story and getting to that place. Yeah, that's really good. I think, you know, I was just a really weird, I don't think I know, I was a weird kid, you know, <laughs> I... I I saw the world a little bit differently. I was busy drawing monsters and spaceships and superheroes that I was made up. I actually thought I was a superhero from about <laughs> age seven to age nine. I was action adventure man. And I would put, you know, signs um, on like telephone poles that said, Hey, if you need a crime solve action adventure man is here, you know, call this number. <laughs> and I think I even had like a little disclaimer, like my mom will probably answer the yes, phone. Don't worry assistant. about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and, and, and at some point, and I think this is so true for, for each and every one of us, like I was kind of told that that weirdness uh, wasn't important. It didn't matter or even worse that it shouldn't be there, that I should, you know, mm. fit into a pattern, uh, conform to, you know, a marker that, uh, you know, I, I should check, check off a certain box. And I think so many of us kind of hang out there and we never get to the point. And I feel like I'm, I'm, especially from writing this book, you know, I'm starting to kind of immerse myself in this question of, well, what if, what if all of that isn't actually true? And, and, and what if the stuff that makes us weird makes us different, makes us unique? And what if our imagination that seems to be pre-installed in us since we were, you know, really little kids, what if that's all there for a purpose, not to necessarily stuff down, but to cultivate uh, mm. for good, for our own good and for the good of others, like you said. Well, beautiful. That just triggered, I wrote a song once called Stargazer, and uh, one of the lines in it is, um, could it be that this life means more than you think, that your dreams are not just dreams, but reality? Um, yeah. And I think that's what you're dialing in. I think you're saying uh, you... Some of this gets beat out of us. Some of this gets convinced out of us, right? That yeah. uh, don't be weird. Don't be you. Don't be that unique divine cocktail, as I think you write about in the book. Um, but you learned it, and you've learned that uh, that essence, that excavation of that is actually um, the truest thing about you. And 
the beautiful gift that you get to give the world. Yeah. And, and, and I don't think this is, this was like a one and done sort of situation. I think I, I'm aware deep down in the, 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 you know, the pit of my soul, that that's the truth. Mm. I think making sure that I live out of that space and not what others necessarily want me to be or a shadow of my own self or stepping into somebody else's shadow. Cause it looks like a better, you know, more safer place to be. That's an ongoing hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. That's an ongoing um, challenge. But I, I, I do think once <laughs> I just love, I mean, I could, we could go home now and call it a day. I mean, you called it a permission slip. I think that's just a really beautiful description of what this book was trying to be. And so mm-hmm. thank you for that language. I, um, I, I truly hope that's what people see it as. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love, listen, like the book you, you've, um, you've got reflections on Jesus. You go Willy Wonka on us talking about the shadow, <laughs> talking about the shadow self. You, I, I'd never thought about Peter Pan in the shadow as being this like conversation uh, about maybe mm. po- possibly, possibly the true self and false self that never had registered with me before. Um, mm. so I may have to go back and, and watch a little bit of that. Um, so I guess let's let's begin chatting through the book. Why this book? I mean, of of all things that you could write, um, was it your own story that got you to this point, or why did you think this was a voice that we needed to hear today? Yeah, you know, I think really where where it all came out of was I was trying to explain what actually makes a difference like in my work in my writing in my consulting and the stuff i was trying to create you know create i was like okay i I found myself sort of helping a bunch of organizations and companies wanting to to genuinely do something different and make a dent and all that kind of stuff um and what i realized if i had to draw a circle around you know or a bullseye around all the ways that I was sort of helping these people and this extended beyond, you know, me doing stuff from a professional standpoint, this was kind of my strange sort of spidey sense, you know, gift. I think that I have, I can't do anything else in life. I can't, you know, throw a basketball into a hoop for the life of me, but I can, I can help people. I think excavate. I love that word that you use. Um, their unique identity and mm-hmm. and get excited about it and um, connect the dots for them in, in in a way and so I really just wrestled with trying to figure out what the word around that was and and I wrote down this where I was in a pub in New York City it's a very picturesque kind of great you know great writers you know illustration right <laughs> here when I was in a pub in New York City and uh, and you know maybe I had one too many beers I don't think so I think I was just sipping on you know a third of one, but I wrote down this word weird and I went, Oh my gosh, that's kind of the essence of what I do. It's, I think we're all trying to run away from those things that make us weird and unique and potentially um, sort of susceptible to sticking out Hmm. because we've been conditioned by culture to do that. But in reality, what makes a movement a movement, right? What sparks change? What creates intrigue it, it's yeah. it's weirdness it's uniqueness yeah. it's 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 the misfits that inherit the earth and so 
that's uh, that's really why I decided to say, okay, I, you know, and if, if the guy who wrote, I actually got to meet him a while ago, which is pretty funny. Like if the guy, if some guy could write a book about dummies and uh, people would actually resonate with that, you know, computers for dummies or the internet for dummies, whatever, maybe I could write a book about weirdos and <laughs> call everybody a weirdo. Uh, because I think deep down, whether we, you know, consider ourselves popular or not, or, you know, common or not, I think we all know that there's something a little bit weird and a little mm-hmm. bit odd about each one of us. And again, instead of, you know, sort of hiding that and trying to cover that up and just sort of fitting in, what if we, what if we brought that to, to life and the breath and, and to see where that goes? And that's a scary thing, but I think ultimately that's where true cultural change lies. Yeah. yeah. Weird gets talked about. Um, weird gets shared to use purple cow language from Godin. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, and, and I think, uh, you know, what I love too, is that you also repackage the, um, that there's a sacredness to weird that mm. you're, that you're using in this book. It's not like, yeah, who's that guy that's off doing his own bizarre thing that no, like really the, um, the holiness, the sacred side that I think you're, you're kind of redeeming the word a bit, um, and giving, giving it a place of honor, uh, and respect, um, that I think is beautiful. There, there's a word you come back to often in the book, and I'm I'm gonna pronounce it wrong, so please correct me. Is it Kadesh? Yeah, no, that's right. Kadesh. Um, mm-hmm. What is this? Do we all have it? What is it? Give me give me the essence of what Kadesh is. Yeah, so Kadesh is this word that the uh, the Hebrew people have used uh, throughout generations to essentially mean holy or godlike or you know part of the divine divine and the, the literal definition of it is set apart so you know set set differently like different than everything else in fact and i actually don't mention this in the book but somebody came up to me after i did a talk on you know this subject and i said well i actually study uh you know ancient hebrew language and you know what the opposite of kodesh is i said no and they said it, it's kol it's called it, it's c-h-o-l and it actually means common or ordinary. Hmm. And so, you know, I have this really interesting background of growing up in a very, you know, fundamentalist, um, evangelical kind of home that I've sensed in um, church culture and I've since really uh, departed, you know, from that, that way of thinking. But I was always told that these words like holy and unholy and stuff meant um, very kind of fun. It meant something mm-hmm. very different than what I'm now as I'm, as I'm going back into sort of these ancient scriptures mm-hmm. and going, Whoa, that word means a whole lot more than clean, unclean as a kid. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so what does it mean to be created mm. with, and you said it really well, this divine spark, this, this unique sort of imprint and I think regardless of what you believe or don't believe about the universe, even from a scientific, natural order of things standpoint, and where I'm sure we're going to talk about the blending of <laughs> truth, beauty, and goodness <laughs> uh, at some point in this conversation. But, but for now, I'll just say, you know, even if you're looking at it from a scientific, natural world standpoint, each and every one of us, we can all agree, have this unique strand of DNA 
that is part of our existence and part of our being. And so if that's the case at face value, that we're all created uniquely, even just from the observable, you know, I, you know, through technology, what does that mean about what we're supposed to be doing while we're on this earth as a, as this combination of, of, of matter and spirit? Mm. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. If, um, often we say on here, you know, that, um, as you embrace your weirdness, as you embrace your Kadesh, um, a lot of times when you turn around on your path, you're probably on the right path if you turn around and no one's there because it's your path. <laughs> it's yeah. it's not yeah. the world's path. And yet we have this kind of anxious uh, uh, feeling sometimes that like, well, why isn't everyone else going this way? Or we just have the herd mentality and we go everywhere you know, the world is going. But the true path, the true self, the Kadesh, the divine spark, um, it knows that it may turn around on its path and not see anyone there. But that should be a subtle hint that, oh, you're you're on to something. Now things are getting interesting. Yeah. And I think that's the, the, it's funny, I think like Robert Frost said something about that. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I think it's like, it's, it's funny, especially in, in a world that's now dominated by social media, like nobody understands, I think, how lonely some of this work of creating and um, putting something new out there into the world is. I think if we all, if we all knew that, I think a, if we were all honest, more honest about that, it would be um, a lot better. But B, if we all knew what it actually took to bring something to life. There's a lot of mystique around um, what the creative process actually is. And I think that's, that's mainly kind of a, a, a leftover from sort of the golden age of media and everything um, where, you know, people were getting paid these unbelievable advances and Hollywood was, you know, at it, and it's, kind of golden, you know, golden era. Um, but because the internet has sort of disrupted everything, it's really the wild, wild west in many ways. And um, I, I know that that sounds getting off on a little bit of a tangent, but my, my point with all of this is that I think you're, you're on the, on the one hand, you have probably more and more messages saying, yeah, go and, do your thing and follow your dream or whatever. And, but on the other hand, what we have to realize is the more people who do that, the more, um, the more loneliness there is in the, you know, in, in, in the universe mm-hmm. where um, we just have to be, I think we just have to acknowledge that and we have to be really careful about that because um, it's, it's, this stuff is not for, the faint of heart, you know, and when we're asking somebody to, to go down that narrow road, we really have to be careful that we understand what we're really asking them. Totally. Well, and you know, I I think just to surf some of the, the golden waves here again, it's this idea that as you do move into your own creative Kadesh, weird path. Um, what you will be doing won't be for everybody. That right. that the way the world works today is that um, 
you know, people like us do things like this. I mean, it, it's, it's a, uh, you have to learn that, um, the books we write, the podcasts we launch, the whatever you're, you're, it's, it's one in a million chance you're going to get a million people listening to your podcast or buying your book. But, but there may be a very select few as you get into the long tail that totally love what you're doing. Um, and your sure. work that does go out into the world can enrich their lives, uh, help them lead more lives of meaning, uh, purpose, peace, uh, all of that. So I think that's real important to talk about, too, when you're talking about this idea of putting your creative self into the world. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you know, one of my favorite lines from the Avid Brothers is, you know, if you're loved by someone, you're never rejected. So decide what the being go be it. And that's actually a, a, a riff. I don't know if they know this, but I'm a, a, a giant Muppets fan. And so there's an episode of the Muppets show where uh, Bernadette Peters is talking, is singing to the Muppets. This, this really actually beautiful Muppet song that goes, you know, just one person believes in you uh, hard enough and long enough believes in you. You know, maybe somebody else will believe in you too. And it's really, you know, all you need. And, um, and so for me, that, those, you know, that idea has really become a compass. I wrote, mm-hmm. I wrote this book. I'm like, I just wrote it for my kid. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? My first born kid. I was like, man, I don't know what this thing is going to sell. If it's going to resonate with people, the, 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 the really cool and surprising thing is it has resonated with a lot of people. And that's, that's, that's really awesome. But, you know, cause I think in the particular lies the universal, right. But, mm-hmm. but you know, my, my, my carrot sort of dangling at the end of the stick in front of me was like, I just want to write something that, my kid can read one day and go, wow, dad really cared about me. And he cared about these, uh, these things that, um, he wanted me to live out as a person. And that's, that's kind of it. Like, I feel like that's, if, if she's cool with that, if she you know sees it one day and goes, Oh wow, this was, this was dedicated to me. And this actually, um, this is actually helpful in how to live then I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm like that. That's my, that's my metric. Yeah. Beautiful. Then let's also chat through the particular and the universal because sure. this is the yin and yang. This is the both. And this isn't the either or. Uh, and I thought this was very important in the book too, when you talked about that, when it comes to weirdness, when it comes to the Kadesh, uh, our Kadesh, it's a level playing field. We we are weird. We have that Kadesh, but it's not like we're any weirder than anyone else. Um, right. So hold, hold my hand on honoring this in others because um, the victory isn't there if this just gets us to liberation. I think, I think the, right. the victory that happens here is when you learn to honor that um, have compassion for that side of yourself, and then in turn, um, the strangers you meet, the random people that cross your path, even the people that frustrate you and cross your path. There is This is meant to be a gentle nudge and reminder that, hey, be on the lookout because they also have the Kadesh in them. Right. I mean, and this is, um, this is really the essence of like why I was almost afraid, you know, to kind of write a book about weirdness and creativity. Cause even in my really like careful work and desire 
to make it a, a book that resonates with everybody. You know, there's still people who are caught in this, you know, this duality of, yeah. Oh, well, I'm not a creative person or I'm not an artistic person. Or, and so, you know, they get a couple of chapters in and like, well, this isn't for me. And I just think that is one of the saddest effects of, I don't know, maybe an outdated educational system or something yeah. because the message of the book is that we're all inherently unique. We're all inherently wired uh, differently than the person standing right next to us. And so if that's true, then what do we do with that? And the, I think the, the invitation is to realize that there's a purpose to you being on, on the planet, number one. And two, that that purpose is somehow in, in, in some sort of mysterious paradox there to help the person standing next to you recognize that they belong hmm. just the way they are as well. Hmm. And you don't have to know how to use a pen or a brush <laughs> or a camera to be able to do that. But you do have to learn how to create and manifest whatever work that you do, whether you're a mom, whether you're a data processor, whatever it is, whether you're an accountant, out of this acceptance that everybody has a unique identity and everybody has a purpose and that's a really good thing. Hmm. You know what I mean? How do you reset into that each day? Cause I, I think the work, <laughs> it, the, uh, life happens, right? Challenges happen. <laughs> headwinds happen. People don't see eye to eye. Opinions differ. Um, what are some of the ways you've learned to hold this space uh, and and honor that divine light, that divine spark? In yeah, others? That's, a, that's a really good question. And the, the good news is it's super easy to do. Um, and you can do it every day. So, like, um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm right. I'm ready for this. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's no, awareness, I mean, you know. I, it's I, 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 For me, it begins with every day asking for awareness. Let me see. Let me see. Help me see. Yeah. And I, I think it's a, it, it, yeah, it's, it's a combination, right. Of when you talk about awareness of, of self-awareness and others awareness, you know, I heard it said, you buck up against the people that remind you most of this parts of yourself that you don't like, yeah, <laughs> you're like man, I don't really like that guy. Yeah. Like he's just my enemy. And you're like, Oh, that's cause he's doing something that reminds me of something I don't like in myself. And so I think the sort of the surprise consequence, the surprise sort of byproduct of recognizing that we're all a little weird and that's a good thing is, uh, is grace mm. toward each other. You know what I mean? Going, wow, you know, this guy sees things a little bit differently than I do. And instead of, me trying to convince him or her why my opinion is right you know maybe i can actually learn something from them and which is why 
from a, a company culture standpoint, I talk a little bit about this in the book, but there's actually been a lot more research on this. You know, the proclivity is for us to build cultures where everybody sort of fits in and understands the culture and thinks like us and acts like us and behaves like us. But research over the past couple of years has shown that especially um, at the sea level in a lot of organizations, if you were to bring in a, a literal misfit, somebody who has different, you know, different opinions, different ideas, different ways of doing things, you actually start to see uh, productivity go up after a while. Hmm. Interesting. Because that person can illuminate some of the pitfalls and some of the holes that come with everybody actually thinking the same way and literally not taking a second to step outside the box because they don't even know they're inside the box. Wow. And that's a humbling thing to do. Yeah, totally. For managers and for founders and for leaders. But at the end of the day, do you want your thing to grow Hmm. and be successful or do you want to just think the same way all day long? You know, in um, I don't know if you've read Ray Dalio's Principles that came out last year, um, but they have this they have this thing in their uh, in Bridgewater where um, idea meritocracy is what they call it, and basically huh. anytime they host meetings, everyone's yay nay. Eh, I see something good in that. I see something bad in that. In real time, it's projected onto a screen. And, and, and he said, I was tired of having circle meetings or meetings with people in a circle and I wasn't getting everyone's true thoughts. And he goes, and now in real time, we are, we are actually giving label color evaluation metrics of like, Hey, Joan over there sees a hole in this. Bobby thinks this is the greatest idea the company's had in a decade. And they, they, they all have that voice. Um, and I think that's exactly what you're getting at, um, is, uh, difference, um, when it has its chance to illuminate actually moves us forward. I feel like you and I could have like five different calls. Maybe we, maybe, maybe we should do that someday. Um, I could just be like a regular or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, hey, CJ's back on again today. This is our yeah. subject. Um, so uh, there, there's, you have, a, you have an individual in your life in the book, and uh, she goes by Mama Moo. Um, <laughs> yeah. And as you're, as you're writing about her and this farm that she has, I was, I was like, this, I, I got to know more about Mama Moo. She has like, in Donald Miller's work, it's Bob Goff. She, feel, she feels like she's your Bob Goff. Um, tell me tell me about Mama Moo and who this little beacon of light has been in your life and what she's taught you. I'm still, I'm still on the, the idea of comparing her to Bob Goff because they're very, very... They're like, <laughs> I don't even know if she knows who that is, but uh, uh, she's a wonderful woman who just really kind of appeared in our life out of nowhere, but really represents, you know, a, um, an imaginative figure. Um, so this, she's actually real. She's kind of like my realist imaginary friend. Um, <laughs> but she owns a farm. She's in her late sixties and she, um, 
has this farm that she works on every day that that just produces everything from organic chicken eggs to duck eggs to wildflowers to every kind of vegetable you could possibly imagine. And then she just gives all that stuff away to the, the people in Nashville, the restaurants, to nonprofits, to families. And so she's been um, really this kind of wonderful sort of character um, in the wisdom that she has and also uh, the support that she's giving to kind of these creative ventures. And so the fact that she was very willing to share her property with me while I wrote this book was just such a supportive thing. And um, I think she, she has a, she's a farmer, but she has a writer's heart. And I Mm. think writers have a farmer's heart. Yeah. Let's go. That's a good word. So I I think we're, we're unlikely friends. uh, But (laughs) yeah, it's, um, yeah, I, I, I've gotten nothing but, but really wonderful things to to say and, and to think about when, when the name Mama Moo pops up. Her real name's Lynn, but her grandkids call her Mama Moo. So. <laughs> well, what what I love is that she consistently, when she's uh, pointing out things to you guys at the farm, always comes back to this idea that everything here is a meta- metaphor for the way the spirit works. Um, mm. And that that triggered something in me. All of the worlds that I'm super curious about, which are like food and ingredients and farming and like um, those are my rabbit holes at the moment. I'm yeah. I'm I'm learning. Maybe I'm drawn to these um, because they are just snippets and metaphors of the way spirit works. Um, so I bet you've learned beautiful things about wisdom has to te- for what wisdom has to teach you hanging around her. Yeah. Oh gosh. And even things that have happened after the book came out have been like I just don't know why this woman is sort of in our lives and is sort of this, you know, symbol for, for weird imaginative creativity. But I can tell you, I'm almost, you know, I could almost write a second book about my interactions with her, um, posts, you know, posts get weird, but yeah, she does. It was really, really funny. She doesn't even remember saying, um, that whole thing about the myth or the, um, <laughs> metaphor. The, um, Metaphor for the spirit. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, I never said that. I'm like, you totally did like multiple times. (laughs) So, yeah, she's a character. But, yeah, she's – I think there's something about – for me, I mean, I'll tell you the story really quick that's in the the chapter. I I was sitting on our farm for a couple days trying to write this book and hoping that this really beautiful place would would somehow equal a ton of inspiration. And after a couple days, I was just kind of having a little bit of a writer's block situation. I don't – I don't really, I'm not, I'm not getting anything. And, you know, so I'm about to leave and I was actually late for a meeting. Um, but she's like, Hey, come here. You got to like go and, and, you know, pick some, some of these uh, vegetables for your, for your family. She's got that very sort of grandmotherly scolding kind of thing yeah. where it's like, how, do, how dare you leave here without, you know, picking? I'm like, all right, but I'm like, I'm late for a meeting. She's like, I don't care. You got to come, come and pick up, you know, pick out these things. I'm like, all right. So, I'm annoyed. I'm uninspired. I'm all of these things. I'm just grouchy, like running through this beautiful garden. I have no reason to be grouchy in reality, but because uh, I'm in this amazing setting. But uh, I hear this voice, and it's Mama Moo from Miami. She goes, "Hey, come here. You got to come see this thing. You got to come see this thing." So I'm like, "All right." So I put down my my you know bag of, of vegetables, and I, I go over to her, and she's bent over a tomato leaf, and uh, she goes, "Hey, do you know what this is?" And I'm like, "Mama Moo, it's a tomato leaf." I don't know. Can we go now? Like, I don't. What's what's so what's so great about it? 
And she goes, no, 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 you got to look at this thing a little bit more, uh, more in detail. So I, I bend down and I look at what's on the tomato leaf. And it's this, it's this really, um, really good looking, wonderful caterpillar. Hmm. And it's, you know, it's, it's the, it's, it's like really jet black and, um, bright green and polka dot yellow. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very interesting, beautiful looking creature. And she goes, Hey, you know, this is the, this is the caterpillar that turns into a monarch butterfly. Isn't it beautiful or isn't it gorgeous? I forget what she said, you know, but, but I remember my answer being like, duh, of course it is. It's a, you know, of course it's, it's, it's beautiful. Of course it looks good. And, um, that like a ton of bricks hit me as like the moment of inspiration, the metaphor mm. for the spirit. Mm. Cause all my life in kind of the theme that I was trying to sort of dancing around in this book is like, we've been told, we've been sold this, this, this bag of goods that, you know, the ugly caterpillar turns one day into a beautiful butterfly mm. or the, mm. the, the misfit is a misfit now. And that's a bad thing, but, but one day it will, join the ranks and it will become accepted and that's a good thing but with this little you know punk this little green punk sitting on <laughs> sitting on the tomato leaf did in that moment was talk to a guy you know who's 30 something years old and went that's not true like mm -hmm. i'm i'm actually i'm actually wonderful right now i'm not an ugly caterpillar the one they turn into a butter beautiful butterfly i'm i'm a i'm a beautiful butter or a beautiful caterpillar that will you know go go under a transformation but that doesn't the transformation doesn't necessarily equate to um now you're me beautiful. becoming now you're me yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. so um and so that was a really big i think revelation for me that ended up shaping really the rest of the book because hmm. then it goes back to that thing of like we are all weird and we don't necessarily have to let go of our weirdness to become normal we actually need to hold on to our weirdness because it could be the very thing that people need right in that moment and i think you know not to get too too philosophical or deep into this but i mean isn't that that's exactly what that caterpillar did in that moment yeah Totally. It didn't. It, it, I don't. I don't know if it knows. I don't know if a caterpillar knows. Yeah, you know, a couple of weeks from now, I uh, <laughs> think I'm uh, gonna yeah. cocoon, and yeah. I, it might have had. I don't think it had any idea. Yeah. But in its current state, in its current weird state, it simply by being, simply by existing, it really um, it taught me something. Hmm. Taught hmm. me something major. Yeah. Beautiful. It's enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nothing to prove in that moment. No. Um, just essence itself. Beautiful. Well, let, then one thing I wanted to chat about is how do we nurture this in our children? Because um, my senses are uh, once you see, you can't unsee. Once you taste, you can't untaste. Um, and, and we all start wrestling with those childhood wounds in our late 20s and early 30s. <laughs> yeah. And so we're like, oh, yeah. no, my ch I don't want to keep my keep my children innocent. But we know that um, it's it, we got to leave the garden. Right. It's just part of it. Um, talk to me about how 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 you're learning to do this. I think in the book um, you had these three phrases. I see you come forth and keep going. 
Um, yeah. And you share in there the story about um, the individual who would always draw the cactus, and it would you know wasn't perfect enough for her dad. Um, yeah. So tell me. Um, whether it's with our children and sports they play, art they create, uh, any something from nothing that they create, whatever it is, how, how do we hold this space for them? How do we um, allow them to see that, uh, that Divine Spark, their own Kadesh, uh, is good, true, and beautiful? It's mm, a big question. Um, I think for our our kids for my kid at least going directly back to this myth of the ugly caterpillar i I think the the proclivity would be for me to go hey look you know when 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 she inevitably gets made fun of um for not measuring up to somebody else's expectation or not looking or acting quote-unquote normal by somebody else's perception would be to tell her and i think a lot of parents have done this throughout history like hey one day you know look you're gonna you're gonna all this stuff's gonna fade away you know you're gonna you're gonna reach a moment of metamorphosis and turn into this miraculous butterfly and the stuff that makes you feel awkward and different now don't worry about that you know it's 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 gonna get it's gonna get better and i think the downside to that and, and kind of the, the insight that that, again, that little punk on the, <laughs> on the, uh, the tomato leaf kind of showed me was like, you're amazing now. Like you're not just enough. You're, you're more than enough. You're wonder you're full of wonder. You're one. And like, so if, if, if my daughter is going to wait for a moment in, you know, in the future when her value and her worth and her, whatever you want to call it, sacred, weird, Kodesh is recognized and apparent to everybody she's going to miss out on a greater reality that she's everything she needs to be in full of wonder like right freaking now like Here in this now moment. at hand in yeah. the midst of us and yeah and i think that's the bigger invitation we get to we get to help our kids step into yeah yeah so it's almost like a conversation about presence, a conversation about enjoying the process, a conversation about um, see what your weirdness is here to teach you, see who it connects with, see how it leads to something interesting in the world. Um, don't, don't put it into the future that one day, if you do this, this, and this, and this, then that will happen. I think you're kind of, what you're, what you're saying is, is helping them let go of certain expectations in the future and allowing them to behold the mystery and the beauty of the moment that's at hand. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think that's a good first step. Yeah. I, and, you know, I've got a, a five-year-old and a five-month-old at home. So, I mean, the good news is I have all the answers. Um, <laughs> and, you know, if you like where that came from, just I'll, I can spit out wisdom for days. Um, no, I mean, like, I don't, you know, I'm still learning how to do this, yeah. you know, just like, just like you. Um, but I, 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 does it not start there? You know, does it not start in, in, in going? Yes. There, and by the way, it's not a, it, it's not a this or that thing. Like I think I even say it in the book, like transformation, metamorphosis, that's awesome. Like we like 
there's a reason why that analogy has been used for so many so many years of like i mean the the thing that happens in a chrysalis is is, is quite amazing but those are the you know the transformation and 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 you know the chrysalis that kind of metamorphosis like that is something meant for for you as an individual it's not a expectation or a mandate from your peers mm. you know yeah and i think knowing that that's the difference like we, we always want to get better we always want to you know i, I never want to perpetuate the message that you know there's you're everybody should get a trophy you know just for being you know themselves it's like it, that's that's not necessarily true but if we can't roam this earth and go through life as parents and as daughters and, and as sons as brothers and sisters under the foundational baseline that each of us is created with inherent unique worth and that should be enough mm-hmm. to treat each other with respect and dignity then i i don't know i don't know if that's a world i want to live in you know what mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. yeah bingo well and I, and I think that um as you embrace your kadesh that's like my new favorite word, by the way. Um, as you as you <laughs> as you embrace this, as you embrace your weirdness, um, your heart in this book is getting people to realize that it's not something they have to go prove. Um, that the invitation here is that it can be a gift to the world, and I think those are. I think if we could allow our children allow our high school graduates, our college graduates to um, maybe maybe detach a bit from the storyline that says, go, 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 build, 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 build something bigger than yourself, whatever, you know, those things that we're all told to go do. Um, but you could just say, hey, what if you come from a place of contribution? And, and that thing that only you can do, the way you see the world, the way you interpret things, the way you see underneath things, um, can actually be the richest thing that you can do in the world. You'll feel alive, satisfied, fulfilled. Um, and it just so happens that it, it seems like careers and whatever else that needs to come from it just happens to come from it when we get that alignment correct. But if it's all about, I got to prove something, um, I've got to go do this or do that because that's what someone thinks I need to do. We're going to yeah. miss the mark, but embracing our Kadesh and weirdness is actually about coming from a place of contribution. Absolutely. Absolutely. You've got something to give, not something to prove. I think making that, that subtle shift, at least for me, I mean, I I write that down. I write something to give on my hand every time I go and I give Mm -hmm. a talk because the voices just start circling around my head, usually 15 minutes before I'm supposed to, you know, talk in front of a group of people that go, um, what gives you like the right, what gives you the authority to do that? And, 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 and the reality is, is I've got nothing to prove to anybody, but I do have something to give to somebody. And the reality that I'm made uniquely, that nobody else shares my specific combination of matter and spirit, this weird cocktail that, you know, we talked about earlier, means that I've, I've got something to contribute. And so what you said is, is, is just spot on, dude. 
in all of your weirdness. Uh, and that's a compliment, by the way. Um, <laughs> it, do you? Uh, what's keeping you curious these days? Is there a movement, books, music, art? Uh, what is it? What's what's kind of what are you leaning into these days? That's keeping you curious. Yeah, um, what's keeping me curious is honestly like the name of your podcast um, mm. and the idea of. And I talk about it in the book a little bit, and I, I just barely, barely scratched the surface. But the transcendentals, right? Truth, mm. beauty, and goodness, and mm. how these things were never, ever, ever meant to be siloed. Mm. Um, but what I did in the book is I drew a triangle and went, because you know, the shape of a triangle is if you've got three different points, they yeah. all intersect with each other and create one whole. And what, where I think a lot of this, um, this stems from of having something to give, of, of, of having an imagination that's unique and designed to help your community um, do things that are different and innovative and, and potentially healing and helping and all that kind of stuff. I, I think it, it can almost go into a new like stratosphere. Like we can put this mm-hmm. thing in overdrive. We can put that idea in, 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 you know, in the flux capacitor you know, or in hyperdrive, whatever you want to call it. Um, when we realize that there is no, siphoning or siloing of you know the arts are over here and the humanities are over here and the um sciences over you there. know math and science and stem and all that stuff is in, in you know in, in this direction it's it's really the baseline that everybody is born creative and they just sort of gravitate to certain expressions of that creativity, be it engineering, be it drawing, be, and and the more that we can combine those different expressions and those disciplines, the earlier we can recognize in each other that we're weird, we're, we're different than each other, but we can also help each other in our differences. I think the faster we're going to get to the future we all imagine. And so what I'm really curious about is how do we teach this to the next generation of kids? I think you've got a landscape right now where violence is at an all-time high in schools, self-harm is off the walls, bullying is, is, you know, going nuts. And is it not because we're not teaching our kids how to properly express themselves both individually through the arts and humanities, but also not teaching them that, you know, we, we, there's all these anti-bullying campaigns, but it's like, okay, well you can tell people not to bully, yeah. but that's not really going to do a whole ton. Yeah. Yeah. If you tell kids that their uniqueness, the way they see the world, their, their, their unique story that they bring into class actually gives them a superpower. And when you combine superpowers, you create the justice league, right? And you can, you can save the world better together than you can individually well all of a sudden i think you start to see a lot of bullying go down because people now understand the why not just the what yeah you know yeah no i think you're on just don't bully yeah it's not it's not just you know stop doing this bad thing it's this is what happens when we all put our heads together 
and again, create that baseline of worth and dignity and value. Bingo. Yep. Totally agree. Couldn't agree more. And, um, yeah, I think just kind of, uh, maybe some vulnerability on our part with, uh, the generation that we're going to help raise is to kind of hold hands with them and go, Hey, we're figuring out what happens when goodness and truth collides and beauty's made manifest. And, yeah. and, and we're figuring out what happens when truth and beauty collide and goodness is made manifest. Like I, that triangle idea there in your book was huge for me. Um, and guess what? We get to learn it together. And I always say we get to, let's help, let's all help ourselves and this next generation tune up into that great, big and lovely song that we, we all know is meant to be there. Um, it's like our well, ear, it's we, like our ears are against the wall. We can hear the song. We all just need to lean up against the wall together and hear it together. Well, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, that's it's a, it's a beautiful sentiment. I think, um, you know, the danger of, again, living in kind of a social media, instant gratification culture that we live in is there, there is no, you know, there's no appreciation for, history or for you know we've got these bricks in our hands these little black devices with screens and we can use them to figure out the world's mysteries with the click of a button or to pet you know to play minecraft or you know angry birds or whatever you know all day like it's it's strange it's like and i'm not saying you know that's not it's not okay to do i'm just saying never in throughout history have we been presented with that weird kind of option you know like here's everything here's all the knowledge in the universe here's the library of everything and here is something that will literally numb your brain you know that you can binge watch you know a series on like and it's in the same device and and you choose now like we're not educating our kids to to wonder anymore we're not educating our kids to use those devices in a way that actually move the world forward, not just their, you know, aren't just a drug. Um, And so I think the danger is in all of this is thinking that relatively new methods are orthodox when in reality, some of the things that feel a little bit more progressive are far more orthodox and ancient yep. than we give them credit for. Totally. So it's like when we're talking about when you've got a podcast, it's really funny. A podcast is a very new digital medium. But when you got a podcast called, you know, Truth, Goodness and Beauty and like that's in podcast form, do people realize that that's, that's something that like, Aristotle and Socrates and Plato <laughs> were thinking about centuries and centuries and centuries ago. And we're saying, Hey, this is kind of how we should educate our kids yeah. versus having it be a streamlined, separate silos or process. But we think today, Oh my gosh, well, that's such a progressive idea. Like, why don't we just kind of, um, you know, do things the way they have been done and, um, you know, let's not rock the boat. Um, I just, I, I think we need to, recognize that some of this stuff like the answers have already kind of been given uh long ago and we only need to look back a little farther than maybe what we're comfortable looking back toward and going 
you know what, there's, there's, there's more, there's more out there that could actually potentially um, create the future we all imagine. Beautiful. Love it. Right there with you, brother. Um, I ask this to everybody. Uh, what advice would you give to your younger self? Mm. Yeah, I would, I would tell myself not to take myself so seriously and not to take things so seriously to really enjoy the wonder of being a kid. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, um, can we have you on again sometime, man? Like, I feel like, I feel like you and I, we've got a lot of roads to walk down. Um, totally. I know. This is great. <laughs> I, I be uh, like a, I'll be your JT to your Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I love it. So get weird. I can't dance or sing as well. That, well, I'm, I'm not as good looking. That's, but. that's all right. Hey, well, we, we, it's, uh, I, I need a co-host. So I've been looking for one for a while. <laughs> Um, so get weird, discover the surprising secret to making a difference. Uh, you guys can find a copy of this book anywhere. Good books are bought or sold. Um, best website, best way to follow you, CJ, where would you send our listeners? Yeah, people can go to cjcast.com. So that's cjcas.com. Beautiful. Right on. And uh, I think you're on Instagram as well. Um, I am. So you guys can find him there. Um, CJ, on behalf of all of us, uh, thank you for your good and necessary work in the world. Um, For being a light. Yeah, man. Thanks for showing us the way. And uh, truly, uh, I think there's more roads you and I need to walk down. So um, I say sometime uh, next year, let's make make 2.0 happen. I love it. I love it. Thank you for your good work in this podcast, man. It's uh, it's uh, it's it's much needed. All right, brother. Grace and peace, and uh, we'll chat soon. Hey, friends. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to share it with those you love and those you lead. And if these conversations are stirring up something within you, something within the communities you walk and serve in, something within the people you've been entrusted, would you mind going and leaving us a review on iTunes? We would really, really appreciate it. It helps us get our information and content out there to as many people as we can. And collectively, we can all tune up into a great, big, and lovely song. And as you approach this week, may you pause by the orchid, Listen to the bluebirds sing and be loved.